everyone, thanks for coming. It sounds loud, so we've got volume control. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Michael Stipe, Sam Taylor Wood, and Sophie Carr. And as one quarter of REM and the protagonist of their visual image from album sleeves to stage shows, Michael Stipe has been continually pushing the boundaries of what's possible in pop. For their last album, Collapse Into Now, or their current album, um, Collapse Into Now, he's done something truly remarkable. Each of the 12 songs were given to different artists and collaborators to interpret without restrictions their own story. So these short video works were then released onto the, onto the web as they were made. And there's two that we're gonna premiere here today that have never been seen. Alongside Michael, I'm delighted to have two of the collaborators that made films. Sam Taylor Wood and Sophie Cowell. And uh, Sam, as you know, is a acclaimed British artist and also a film director who recently um, directed Nowhere Boy. Um, and Sophie Cowell has represented France at the Venice Biennale and has also been having a, 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 rela a, 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 a relationship with Istanbul, the city, because she had a residency here and did a big project that was exhibited uh, near the Modern Museum um, and is now making a film. In Istanbul? Great. So what we're going to do is show some of the, we're going to show a film, have a chat, show another film, have a chat, and then we're going to open up the debate to the floor. Um, but I want to ask Michael a question first and ask him how this project began in his mind and the reasons for wanting to release an album through this visual project um, and viral way. How does it come about? Uh, there were, uh, there were Basically, to, to keep it very simple, there were there were two things. Uh, one of the goals that I wanted was to um, approach music as the powerful medium that it was for me as a teenager in the 1970s, to try to present that in the 21st century in a way that um, makes sense beyond uh, a single song. Um, album, the idea of an album is something that I think is lost to 14 year olds now. And so I, I thought using available technology, how can we present the idea, not of a single song, but of a series of songs that represent um, a period of time uh, of an artist's work uh, in 2011. And the idea of doing uh, a film also, you gave complete control to each of the artists, so that was, was that part of the, the yeah. thought from the beginning to do that? Well, well I mean, I, I, I very carefully chose people who, who I trusted uh, immensely with, with, with my babies, which are the songs. Right. Uh, and I'm also, by doing that, I'm, I'm representing um, the other members of the band and trying to do so in a way that, that, uh, that represents the band, not myself. Um, that said, I have excellent taste, apparently, because <laughs> I, was able to, I was able to pull from, I think, um, the most talented people uh, uh, of our time um, to collaborate. So we're going to talk a bit later about the surprises, the delights, the, the ups and downs of the process of giving your babies, your, your, your songs that you spend time and, 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 and put time and energy and love into making, and how, how, you, how you dealt with the reactions when you gave people carte blanche to interpret them in their own way. Um, the first one of those... Uh, Carte Blanche collaborations is Boo um, Berlin, and it was directed by Sam Taylor Wood, and we're going to watch a clip of that, well, the whole thing of that now, and then we'll talk about that. 
understand. It looks it, like it's incredibly simple, but I'm sure it wasn't incredibly simple to no, make. No, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. I, I often I thought he might have been mimicking some of Michael's stage moves in, in some of that choreography. <laughs> you also stuck a you, you also stuck a vintage REM T-shirt on his. Was that one of your old REM T-shirts or? Where, it was one of Michael's. I mean, right. I, I thought it'd be really good to kind of make it look a little. I had an idea of it looking a little um, I don't know, kind of 70s, even though I don't think the T-shirts are probably 80s. Probably 80s, right? Um, quite good friends and you've been friends for many years and um, did that make it easier or more difficult to to uh, present Michael with with uh, your finished film? Well, it was good in the sense that I, I, had a, I had a sense of how Michael thinks a little and so I thought of this idea of working with the music and, and maybe for what for Michael's sort of sensibility with things um, but the pressure's on because you don't want to let a friend down more than anything. <laughs> Are you a director who loves working with music? I mean your first short film was a film all about music. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. So tell us about your relationship to music when you're when you're cutting or editing and, and, and thinking about this this short film here. I don't know. I mean, a, a lot. I think the films that I make tend to be sort of music-led before anything because um, the short film I made um, called Love You More was really uh, based around a Buzzcocks song. Yeah. And, um, it's a really short song, I can't remember exactly, but it's like a And it's two teenagers that fall in love in yeah. that time when that song was in the in the Well, it's basically two, teen two teenagers... No, late 70s. Yeah, yeah. 76 maybe. Yeah. I can't remember these things, but um, it's about two teenagers losing their virginity to a record and it just keeps looping and looping and, and that's basically the film. It's basically just teenage porn and good music. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, um, and then similarly with No Work Boy, you know, that's obviously um, music-led by... Fantastic. Um, was there? A, can you just tell us about a couple of the camera techniques that you used uh, and some of the challenges that you faced when you were making this? Well, it was, it was kind of straightforward. We decided to do it kind of fairly guerrilla style. We didn't get any permissions. We just we just turned up on that street and decided to just film it and all the passers-by are passers-by and, um, and just that that was the only way to do it. We got shouted at a couple of times, especially when I think Aaron jumped on someone's bike and we didn't have time to swing around and catch the guy sort of screaming and shouting because that might have been good. But, um, but uh, and, and also had a sense that I might have wanted to make it one take, but then then as, as we, we, we shot it as one take several times. And mm -hmm. then, I 
There's a couple of backwards moments, right, yeah. where he, he leaves off or onto yeah, the Yeah, and um, also the sort of moment, it's just to kind of give it a sort of otherworldliness as yeah. well. Fantastic. Um, we're now going to see uh, Sophie Cowles walk it back and um, sit back. And we're Maybe gonna I should explain the rule of the game. But yeah, explain the rule of the game, Sophie. Because it's quite different. Uh, I wasn't a friend of Michael. Uh, <laughs> or him anything, and I refused uh, first. Uh, I was not interested to do a video clip because I didn't feel it was my territory. And uh, Michael insisted on the phone saying, You can even do something with your iPhone if you want. So he sent me the song the next day, and I decided to play that rule just to find everything that was at that moment on my iPhone. Oh, really? So, so all the footage that we see... That was, was my iPhone wow. there. <laughs> so I listened to the song all day. Then I picked what I thought from my iPhone could go with it, and I sent it to Michael, saying, is it that kind of thing that you would accept? And he said, this is it. So it was finished. <laughs> Because you know it's quite another rule of the game, so I absolutely. Yeah. So that's what. Um, well, I mean, you had you'd had obviously you, you shoot a lot on your iPhone because there's the, the footage. No, actually, not that much. Really? I mean, it was uh, two of the movies are shot in one hour, in the uh -huh. same hour, going to a restaurant and going to a good fight. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, one week before. So. Right. I've got lots of questions to ask you, but I think it'll be great to see it. Um, so, can we queue it up?
which is also what makes this project so amazing, so incredible um, as, a, as a complete project. Um, Sophie, the framing um, of those images, um, were they reframed from the iPhone footage as part no. of the edit? No? No. Because it's incredible when you see it, how different it may, it, you know, what the kind of visual perception that that framing has compared to the other films that use the full frame of the, of well, the screen. Well, iPhone like that, or iPhone like that. <laughs> 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 you, you, you were one of the most cerebral and... But for one of the most cerebral and 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 uh, you know revered artists of, of your generation to put such simplicity into your answer is fantastic. I love it, great. You know. Um, all right, let's talk about horses. Let's talk about technique. Let's talk about horses. It's horses. Cocks. That's what we want to know. I mean, that, that was. I mean, that horse. Where were you? Um, I, I go often to bullfights, and it was okay. one of the horses that keeps the bull out of the uh, arena. So it's in the bullfight, uh, Plaza of Nîmes, it's the horses waiting to right. for the bulls to... That is a lot of liquid. Can you tell me, <laughs> <laughs> you told me uh, a beautiful story about uh, as you were filming the horse, uh, there were other people in the room. Do you want to share that? Well, uh, they were the bullfighters. Quite surprised I would spend so much time. Uh, <laughs> they, they were all getting ready to fight. So there was some animation before the good fight. I think they were upset that you were focusing on the horse, on the horse and not on because the Because they, yeah. they were in their costumes. And <laughs> <laughs> so while they were changing into their elaborate outfits, you not were changing, the other just, way uh, and filming them. Uh, also, Michael, you said something to me about the footage, which is how the horse stands on its on its back legs when it. Um, yeah when it urinates, which is normal if you know the horse as well, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Michael, when you received this as a finished form from um, Sophie, where, I mean, obviously it's a beautiful meditational choreography, it takes your, your project into a new dimension, so I'm yeah. sure you were delighted, but were there issues with the band, with the record company, with any... I, I, I had to wear several hats. My, my first was my appreciation for Sophie and her work. And, um, and I, uh, so I got these three pieces, and I, I was like, I love the woman. She's so French, and she's so like stunning uh, doing this pirouette in, in a parking garage. And then there's a horse cock. <laughs> and I was like, this, I, I, this might be a problem. Uh, the whole idea of the project is that we are able to present this stuff on the internet, and I, I was concerned that YouTube might not accept. So I so I did a search on YouTube, horse pissing. And, uh, you just type that into Google or into YouTube. Into YouTube, yeah. and uh, realized that not only are there hundreds of, of, <laughs> of horses pissing, but the average hit that each film has is around 250,000. <laughs> and I thought we're onto something here. This is so. Uh, in that regard, uh, I, I wanted to use it. I then went to, I thought that another member, member of the band might have a problem with it. Um, so I called him and I said, what do you think? And he, and he said, quite rightly, he said, this is not a music video, is it? And I said, no, it's a, it's a film. And he said, and, and she's a great artist. And I said, yes. And he said, then we'll have a, we'll have a film with the horse pissing. Yeah. <laughs> 
congratulations to both Sam Taylor Wood and Sophie Cowper, they're brilliant films, so we're going to bring them back into the conversation, but I'm going to uh, want to show the next film, which is called Discoverer, which was directed by Michael and his sister, um, Linda Stein, and uh, yeah, let's screen that, and we'll carry on.
that song because it's uh, it feels like a rallying call, a kind of wake up call almost to embrace a city or embrace life. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, it's it's a I've, I've called it a Valentine's in New York City, which is where I live, and it's about a moment uh, in the early '80s having having visited New York several times uh, as a young man, uh, as a teenager, and then as a young man, realizing what the city has to offer in terms of opportunity and possibility to people who, who leave wherever they are and, and put themselves in this almost impossible place uh, because of their, their desire to become something. Uh, and that's what the song is. And about. follow their dreams. And follow their dreams, yeah. Yeah, like you did. And I, and I, and I, and yeah, I stuck to it. <laughs> Um, and you see that in the visuals because you kind of you, you get a sense of a kind of city grid and and a, and a, tell us a little bit about the the, the the way that was shot and what what some of those graphic elements are in, in the film that relate to the song. It was shot in, in um, it was shot off of my sister's uh, computer screen using my Canon G10. Right. So I just um, my sister was working in a, um, a, a, this program called AutoCAD, which is. Uh, very familiar to architects and architect offices, but a very dry kind of system, and we basically took that and just fucked with it. Because uh, it kind of looks like it was all computer-generated graphics, but in fact it's still you to you moving the camera around in front of the screen and interpreting those graphic elements and, and yeah. re-editing them and remixing them. Well, the edit was, actually, I, I took a page from Sophie, the edit is um, everything uh, from beginning to end that doesn't have um, a sign on it that says, you know, point arrow here or something. Every single thing we just edited out that we sped it up five times, and that was and that was the piece. So, but what, I mean, watching it from this angle, particularly, it feels like being inside of my brain. Um, <laughs> when the song mentions a, a, a particular moment of, um, of there's lyrics of in there, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but there's a moment of epiphany that, that's mentioned in the second verse or, or, or the third verse, and it's about wandering down Houston Street uh, in the middle of the night, having discovered um, the combination, uh, and I think I was 22 years old, but uh, the combination of, of, of ice cold uh, vodka and, and steaming hot espresso. Uh, wow, good combination. It's a great combination at 22. <laughs> um, but New York's changed a lot. Um, it does it still have those possibilities? I think so, absolutely, completely. I, I feel the same energy, and I'm, I'm not, just saying this because we're here, but I feel that same energy in Istanbul. I feel that same energy in um, the espresso vodka energy. Well, that that, that feeling of of, of, of uh, that, that, that that sense of, of opportunity and possibility that that, that that a city can offer the those of us who come from the, from the fringe or from the outside and don't feel that for whatever reason that we fit into what whatever normalcy or mainstream culture might offer us. Uh, you you go to these capital cities. Um, Searching for yourself, and you find it. Great. And um, tell us about Linda and collaborating with her. Was that the first time you, you did a, you did a project together, or has she always been somebody that you've gone to with projects? My my, 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 my entire family are very important people in my life, and have always have always been incredibly supportive. But Linda and I had not worked together kind of this intimately right. uh, on something this overt. Uh, she has an experimental band called Flash to Bang Time. And in fact, she was using these visuals um, to project live uh, during their live performances, much like the Velvet Underground, they, they would project this on, uh, onto the stage uh, and onto the band as, as they perform. 
and I saw it. She, she showed it to me because she was like, hey, what I'm working on, it's kind of cool. And I was putting together this project in my head. And I, I thought, well, I can't wholesale lift it from her. But I said, do you think you could keep 80% for yourself and give me 20% okay. for this REM project? And so that's, that's what the piece became. And we've got two new exclusive films, right? Yes. Great. So we're going to show them both back to back. And uh, the first one is um, me, Marlon Brando and I, which was directed by Albert Mizells. Yes. And then the second one we're going to show is directed by James Franco. Do you want to do uh, a little bit of an introduction for these two before uh, we watch them? Albert Mizells uh, and his brother are, 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 are two of the most revered uh, filmmakers. Of cinema and, and the opportunity to work with him was amazing. How it how it came about is, 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 is probably a good story, but I'll tell it after yeah. we, after we watch the piece. And then um, James is uh, you know is is kind of in his own way um, creating this this kind of meta idea of what it is to be uh, an artist uh, right now, and, and I find the energy of that quite thrilling. So to be able to work with him on, on this project was also. So let's cue them up. Yeah, sure. Since the 50s, 60s, or something. 60s, 1960s. And I'd seen the whole thing at a right. secret director's house, and it was secret. And how the hell did you get that? I'll, I'll tell the story after. Because after, oh, okay. I, I, I don't think other people have seen it, but in fact, it was um, I, it was at a dinner party. He mentioned Marlon Brando. Are you just a smooth talker? I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> starring in the film and uh, from all reports that it, it will be excellent but that isn't my purpose I would just like to know what consumes your thoughts in your spare time when you have any well my thoughts are because what do you do I'm Vincent in your face thank you very much Mr. Brando for visiting with me
show the next one as well? The James Franco one? question again? Courtney asked, how, how, how did you get that footage? Because it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's previously unseen. I think it's secret footage. I think the story is that um, uh, the Maisels were called by Marlon Brando. In 1967, he had made a film that was not very good, apparently, and he knew that. And uh, he, he did a press junket uh, in a hotel on Central Park South in New York um, and asked asked them to, to, to be the directors of photography for this thing. So they basically documented him charming the pants off of quite literally every man and woman yeah. within 300 yards. I mean, you can see these are moments between him speaking and he's one of those unbelievably riveting, I mean, even, even just a glance to one side, and you, the guy's charisma is, is falling My, I mean, I have a crush on him. So. <laughs> the whole thing is a choreography of seduction, really. That's He's the, such a seductor. Yeah. yeah. And oh. and there's this part in the beginning when when the journalist says to him, you know, so you know, what what is your purpose in life, Mr. Brando? What, 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 what what's your role in life? And he says something to him. It's very hard to make. I thought he said, to him, I want to sit on your I'll face. But face yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? What he says, and it's brilliant because if you've ever done interviews with press. Uh, um, I mean, I'm a very tangential thinker and speaker, and it takes me a long time to come around to um, my point often, as you know, we've spoken <laughs> many times. Um, she asked him a question and then interrupts him as he's answering it. So he just said, I'm interested in your face. Interesting. Do you have Brenda Crush, Sam? He's a <laughs> Sophie, do you have a Brando Crush? <laughs> what do you prefer? Waterfront, wild one? I mean, yeah? I don't know. Just for people that don't know, the Mizell's brothers um, were really part of the cinema verite movement. They were. Um, yeah. hand, they were the first uh, photographers to really go out with handheld uh, cameras into. Uh, into situations. They filmed Gimme Shelter, they filmed uh, a cult film, Grey Gardens. Um, did you know them? Did you know, Al I mean, obviously David passed away, but Albert, did you know him through time or is it a recent relationship? We met, um, uh, we met each other during the John Kerry, uh, was a senator who ran for president uh, on the Democratic ticket. And there was, a, there was a desperate attempt to get Bush and Cheney out of office, basically. Uh, on the part of a lot of musicians, yeah. and uh, Albert Maisel uh, came and filmed this thing called, uh, I don't remember the name of it, Rock for Rock for Vogue or something, mm -hmm. uh, that I participated in. So we met them. But this actually came about when uh, we've, we recorded the record in four different cities, the final being Nashville. And this was one of the vocals uh, that I was not happy with, and I felt I could do a better job. So the last night, of the mix, not the not the recording, but the mix of the album. The last night, I, 
I, I had a shot of um, cognac, and I said, hey, give me the mic, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing this in one take. And I did. Amazing. And we mixed it that evening, and uh, I flew from Nashville to New York. That evening, uh, I was invited to a friend's apartment, and she was uh, welcoming uh, a fashion designer into New York, and invited an interesting group of people, and Albert Mazels was sat at the kitchen table, and I said, what are you Literally working on? Literally the same night. Th that night. And so I, I, within 24 hours, I said, what are you working on? Um, and he said, I'm, 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 I'm working on this footage uh, that I shot in 1967 of Marlon Brando. I'm going to release it next year. And I, and I just went, you're kidding. <laughs> we, we, have, I said, well, we, we need to talk. So we, <laughs> so we had lunch uh, later that we, we arranged to lunch. And, and, and uh, he came over to my apartment and I showed him the I played him the song, uh, he and Bradley Kaplan, his, um, his co-director, and, um, and they agreed to do it. I mean, part of this whole project is an unknown journey. I mean, when you started, you recorded the songs with the band, you had them there, and then you invited different artists and you, 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 know, you gave people carte blanche to, uh, to make their own interpretation of films without any idea of what was coming back. Right. But you did it over time, it wasn't all done and then released as one, and they're still ongoing. They're still in some, some yeah. respect. So, you know, it's constantly taking you into new relationships and throwing new possibilities out, which is what's exciting <coughs> for somebody that's been, you know, that's released 12 albums and that is in a, in a position you are to put yourself into that place of risk and also into that place of discovery. There is risk in, in, um, in commissioning work from people because you, you, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. And, and also it's kind of anti, it. it has an anti-commercial <laughs> It's totally you know, because there's nothing. There's, you don't know when they're going to come back, and then you're going to release them, and they're released on the web, and you know. So you're not. You're playing by a new <laughs> set of rules that are not those that have been constructed by the system or by the music industry, and you're inventing a new kind of paradigm. Right. Well, I'm tired you of know? the music industry. I think I think a lot of people are, and, and that's one of the reasons that I think it was so easy to turn to kind of turn away from it. And you and I have had this conversation where uh, um, people kind of, in this very binary way. Tend to separate different mediums and not not feel this um, this urge or this um, uh, push to combine mediums. And I think I think the 21st century might be I think I think where we are now is a, is a place where transdisciplinary thinking. So absolutely, art, architecture, can, can music, absolutely film, these things that combine yeah. them. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, James Franco. So we're going to show um, his directed piece, which is that someone is you. Just the title of the song.
and Furious pop song. Yep, under two minutes. Wow. Yeah. And is that a song that um, you'd had, you'd be carrying with you for a while, or was that for this album? For this record. And what is it about the song? Where, you know, what's the what's the, the mood of it for you? Um, it. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very well-written, uh, idiotic pop song, <laughs> That's, which, which is part of the fun of... of it's called That Someone Is You, which is a, kind of an interesting title. But I get to, I get to rhyme uh, Sharon Stone Casino with uh, Scarface Al Pacino, which is, oh. <laughs> that's good. And then I brought in 74 Torino, which is really good. So, uh -huh. 74 Torino. And then, of course, I had to look up, I had to do a Google search and make sure that it's a, it's a, mu it's a muscle, it's a muscle car, car, yeah. Uh, which Starsky and Hutch used to drive. <laughs> and that was a, an exclusive again, so that's never been seen, it's not released on the web, it's the first time and we literally got the tapes, you know, two days ago, so, you know, it's a real privilege to be able to show that as part of this festival. And also, you know, to, to come to Istanbul and not just show things that have been created in the West and shown in the West before, but to be able to debut things here, and, you know, that, that, that means a lot to both me and Michael and uh, the participants that, that, it, that have taken part in this festival. Um, so, you know, the, the, releasing these um, on the internet was, uh, was a way of kind of uh, working against the, um, the, the, the old system of the, of the music industry, and it was also a way to kind of de de democratize the songs in the way that you democratize them by giving them to the artists in the first place, and then letting people kind of, you know, in, uh, engage with them in their own way. But this next film that we're going to show is entirely made up of clips of people um, from YouTube, right? That's right. So it's a, it's it's bringing it's bringing that culture into the actual uh, film itself, and it was directed by Jim McKay. Right. Do you want to say a little bit about him before we see it? Uh, Jim is someone who's my best friend. He's someone that's worked with with Ariam for 27 years, I think, uh, or 25 years, and uh, I I don't know what I, I I thought that I mean I I, I very carefully chose each song. Uh, to the person who I asked uh, to, to interpret it through film. I don't know why I thought of Jim McKay with this song, with this particular song, but he, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a yearning, aching uh, thing that he has in, in all of his films. He's a filmmaker and director uh, that I thought he would be able to capture that, 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 that this song has. Okay, let's cue it up. The title is Every Day is Yours to Win.
mentioned yearning in, in, in uh, the way you describe the emotion of the song, but I find that video incredibly optimistic. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, I mean, that, that was the intention when I wrote the song was to, to uh, a kind of a kind of a, a rallying call, um, without being preachy or didactic, and um, I like I like the simplicity of the lyric, but. Um, Jim and his co-directors were able to, using exclusively YouTube footage, mm. which I think is now celebrating its sixth year, um, YouTube is, uh, create this kind of incredibly queer sensibility with, with all this, this beautiful, like, the, 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 the community that, that is created online um, being one that, that's, that's very different. to work with people like Sophie and Sam, uh, for me, is, is a great, great, great thrill. And it's, it feels like a culmination of um, a, a lifetime uh, of, uh, of being a creative person and, and reaching out to, trying to create, I guess, uh, this very kind of teenage idea of, of, of the, the 1920s Paris salon, or the idea of a salon or a community. Um, I, I feel very much, uh, well, certainly this trip, thanks to Jefferson and the people here, uh, but I feel very much that that, that salon has been created, uh, and I happen to be you know, somewhere somewhere in the, in the mix there. And, and it feels great to sit up here with these people who I admire immensely. That, that's my diversionary. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophie. And thank you everyone for coming and being a part of today.